three, four, and five-year-olds. Uh, if you're ready, you can make your way back there. Linda is going to be leading the three, four, and five-year-olds uh, today in, in, in worship. In the meantime, I know we have uh, our, our kindergarten through fifth grade are with us, have been for the past couple Sundays, again today and, and, and next week. Uh, before they'll be going back down. I, I actually want to engage you guys in some questions. So, so I, I see you kind of seated out here, uh, a big group right here, and I know there's some over here. I wanted to ask a question. This is just an opportunity. Um, while we're up here, you guys leave, then we break out snacks, and we play some games and stuff. No, no. We don't do that. We don't do that. We you, that's when I open the scriptures and I, I do a, a, a sermon while you guys go down and have your lesson. That's what we're told. You go down and have a lesson, right? And learn things and scriptures, and right? I thought it would be fun is what have you guys been learning? Does anybody have a verse you could share or even tell us about a verse or a lesson or a story you'd like to share? What, what have you been learning downstairs? Anybody? Not in this group? I thought I, usually it's hands flying up. What, what do you guys do down there? Just, yeah. Okay, so you watch a, a video as, as part of your lesson. Is that the lesson? Anybody else? Zaley, come, come through for me. Oh, Micah. Micah, okay. I knew someone would have to raise their hand. You're just a shy group. Micah. Okay. And, and color? Play a game in color? Does the game have any significance to anything? I mean, or you just, huh? It usually teaches something. Okay. Uh, okay. What's that? Oh, okay, okay. So there's different ways you guys learn Bible verses. Can anybody quote or even tell me about a verse that you memorized that you don't have memorized, you can't repeat? Neil, do you? That, that's a no. Oh, okay, okay, thank you. Anyway, <laughs> it's a good thing Lindsay's not out here right now. She would be totally embarrassed and be all over you guys, right? Yeah. You, you can't answer? Okay, okay. Well, I put you on the spot. I was going to see if anybody, and then I was going to have you come up here and share up front. And so it's a good thing. It's a good thing you didn't have anything you wanted to share, okay? So anyway, I know that you're going down there. I know you're learning verses. I know you're learning lessons. But I guess in a couple of weeks, you've kind of gone rusty. Is that part of it? You're, you're, you're sharing with all the adults. We do the same thing, so... <laughs> Hey, but, but anyway, now, uh, the, the, the verses or the chapters we've been going through uh, together in 1 Corinthians has been 12, 13, and 14. All these have been connected under that label of spiritual gifts. 12, 13, 14, spiritual gifts. And in the verses we're going to read today, it, it is the conclusion of, of all that Paul has said. Now, when, you, when we first began, and you say, oh, we're going to talk about spiritual gifts... I, you probably thought we we're going to unpack and talk about, I mean, the ones we're more interested in, what about healing? What about faith? I mean, there's a spiritual gift of faith, and, and there are numerous. But Paul, 
Nowhere in 12, 13, 14 goes into great detail about any of these gifts. Matter of fact, some of his lists even look different. And, and not only in 1 Corinthians, but in other places, we found different words used. And what he emphasizes in there is that we all have the Spirit. He gifts each one of us. And in, in, in what we're about to read, this great conclusion, he emphasizes other things. And I believe about our coming together. Matter of fact, in, in, in verse 1, uh, verse one, I mean, no, excuse me. In, in verse 26, the first verse we're about to read, I should say, it, what it's going to say is, when you come together. It's, it's talking about, it, again, to the Corinthian believers, he says, when you gather together. That would be like us this morning. We have come together. So, so what, are the, what are some things that are happening when we come together? Uh, let, let's read that. Begin verse 26. What shall we say then, brothers and sisters? When you come together, each of you has a hymn or a word of instruction, a revelation, a tongue, or an interpretation. Everything must be done so that the church may be built up. If anyone speaks in a tongue, two or at the most three should speak, one at a time. And someone must interpret. If there is no interpreter, the speaker should, should keep quiet in the church and speak to himself and to God. Two or three prophets should speak, and the others should weigh carefully what is said. And if a revelation comes to someone who is sitting down, the first speaker should stop. For you can all prophesy in turn, so that everyone may be instructed and encouraged. The spirits of prophets are subject to the counsel of prophets. For God is not a God of disorder, but of peace, as in all the congregations of the Lord's people. We're going to stop, stop there at verse 33. Again, spiritual gifts and, and, and some of the details... I, are absolutely things that we can embrace and be a part of. Matter, matter of fact, I believe challenge uh, to be doing here as a congregation. Uh, we are given by Paul specific details for worship in these verses. And I want to take the opportunity to, to just kind of uncover some of those things. Some that I kind of wrestled with as we ended last week. For instance, uh, here, here are some objectives for gathered worship. Number one... Everyone should be given a chance to contribute in worship. Everyone should have, have an opportunity or given a chance uh, to be involved to con or, or contribute to, to worship. Um, and the reason I say that is, and, and, and for instance, last week when we went to verse 24, 24, the two verses back, uh, I want to remind you what Paul said. I, and I want to know, did you wrestle with this as well? I read this and I couldn't exactly get that in my mind, thinking of the circumstances as we're seated here. What if this would happen here? Verse 24, but if an unbeliever or an inquirer, and those people come into the service, unbelievers come sometimes, inquirers, people who are questioning and, 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 and thinking and maybe examining this faith thing, this, this story of Jesus, there's people like that coming into our services. What if they come in uh, and, and, and while everyone is prophesying, they come in and everyone, did you hear that? Everyone is prophesying. Did that catch your attention? That, that caught my attention. I'm thinking, what does that look like? 
I mean, what do they see when they first come in? The backs of all your heads, you know? I mean, just honestly, I mean, that's when you come into a worship, you usually come in through the back. And if services have already begun, right, when, when prophesying ought to be taking place, all they see is the back of everybody. And maybe one guy standing up front or the worship team. Whoever's taking on the stage is what they see. But, but how does that work, uh, you know, for the Corinthians? I, I, I want to show you, in, in verse 26, what does it say? What's, what's all involved in that? Uh, each one has a hymn, a word of instruction, a, a revelation. And when it comes up with word of revelation, I think there's several of these words are so connected. Like I said, some of these, these um, uh, words are connected. There's, there's the, a word of revelation or, or prophecy or knowledge that, or, or given some kind of instruction, which is also related in, related in there. Uh, then it goes on to say a tongue or an interpretation. All that's going on when we gather together. Now, now that stands to reason. I mean, what Paul said earlier is that there are there, there, there's one body. He described it as one body and many and, and everybody that's part of the body is gifted. We work together as that body. So when we come together, there's people doing various things, numbers of people doing various things. Now, the significance, again, is over that overall subject, the topic of uh, you know, the spiritual gifts. It is because of the Holy Spirit, the, the spiritual gifts, uh, and, and understanding that each one of us, the Holy Spirit is working. Uh, so what's the significance of that? Don't lose this. What's the significance of the Holy Spirit working in each one of us? I believe through the Holy Spirit and our involvement, our, our working to, to be more involved in a congregation, is, is you know, it, it reveals to us, first of all, we belong. We're part of the family. And, and that we have the opportunity to contribute within the family. If, if you think about it, it, it reveals we belong and we contribute. That, that belonging, that feeling of belonging, that feeling and... and the, the ability to, to feel like we really contribute, I believe, adds to, not the only thing, but it adds to our maturity, our growing. To be involved, there's a maturity factor going on, something happening within us. And, and when that, when the church is working, and, and, and we're being involved in all that, and we're maturing, then, then the ultimate uh, goal is happening. Then, then those who don't believe are coming to know and understand Jesus. It's outreach. Outreach is going to take place. Not just people who are coming in, but I, I believe it goes outside the church. And we learned how to engage, how to be involved, how to talk to our neighbors, how to talk to people we're around. So I think this is, this is so important. There's a difference, and here, what I said is if we come in here, we see basically the back of everybody's head, but there's a, a great difference in gathering then the Corinthian church and gathering today for us. Uh, maybe in some of our minds we have the idea that when, when the Corinthians gathered together it looked like this, but it didn't. Predominantly it was house churches. So instead of, say, 250 to 300 people that we could get into this building, you have maybe up Maybe a high number would be 30, maybe, maybe 15 to 30 people in a household uh, conducting worship service. I can guarantee where there's only 30 people involved to where there might be 200, 
there, there's percentage-wise, in, in that 15 or to, to 30, there's, there's a greater percentage of people involved and, and, and asking questions, uh, uh, being engaged within that worship service compared to 200. Isn't that right? Uh, it just undoubtedly, that's, that's the truth. Uh, with fewer, fewer people coming... There's more people involved in the worship. I mean, we have, we have a larger, you know, worship team. We have people, uh, myself speaking or others, and maybe some testimonies and things like that. Uh, it, it seems to be, and, and this is just the truth, man, it's a little easier to speak to a smaller group than a larger group. Have you, have you ever, anybody public speaking, anything like that? Uh, have, have you ever been before hundreds? I, I know there's some, some groups uh, some people I've talked to amongst that have done some public speaking. So, man, Doug, Doug spoke to a lot of people before. So, I have no problem, no problem. We got to get him up here. Uh, I could say it because he's not here, right? Okay. <laughs> but anyway, so so having the opportunity to speak before a lot of people, uh, man, a little unnerving. But hey, to to fifteen people is different. Matter of fact, I I remember when I was I was pretty young, I was pretty young. But I remember my dad sitting up. Uh, folding chairs in our living room. We had our sofa, other chairs, but then in addition, he sat chairs around, and we had worship services in our home for, for a period of time before they moved on to, I think next was a school, and then they went into a, finally bought a basement church kind of thing. But uh, well, I remember house church, and I remember people uh, having the Bibles laid out on, on their laps, I was pretty young, so I'm just remembered just certain things. And I remember everybody just engaging, having conversation, being able to ask questions. Now, every once in a while during the service, someone will shout something out. And you know me, as soon as that happens, I'm, I'm distracted. I'm thinking, what? And I lose my place, right? So don't do that. No. But I enjoy that. To, to be honest with you, I enjoy that. I would, I would love to prepare and sit down with even a smaller group and have more of a discussion where you could engage in thought. I believe that when it comes to that prophecy, what we talked about last week, because things are entering into your head. When I'm preaching, now be honest with me, when I'm preaching and I might tell a story or I might lay out a challenge, where does your mind go? Does it follow me with every word? Or are, are you like me? Are you like me? You said something, and now I've got a track that I'm following in my own mind. Now, maybe I'm the only one that does that, right? Does anybody else do that? But a thought, an idea, the light bulb comes on, bing, and, and man, my mind is running away. And, and so if I was in a smaller group and, and somebody else was sharing, I might raise my hand and say, man, I understand that I'm getting it. This, this might even... Use the word, I mean, that is kind of key for the word revelation. For something to, to come to light, something to open, something to, uh, to, to bring understanding to. See, all these, these key words, the central fact is, is we're talking about Scripture. We're talking about the gospel. We're talking about that combined in working in this day and age. You know, and what thoughts does that bring it to? Does it bring... Bring a neighbor in mind, and, and how could I be sharing? All that could you know, possibly be going on in smaller groups. So how do we make that, that work here? I mean, there are, there are things that we do here that, that helps that work. Um, 
matter of fact, even during, during the time we were in Matthew's living room and conducting services uh, through Zoom, well, not, not through Zoom, but uh, through streaming, and, and then people were, were able to, all throughout the service, type in, you know, whether it was an amen or a question or, or thoughts, and it was ongoing. And, and that's, you know, people say, how, was, how are you able to preach to a camera? And I said, it was the most difficult thing in the world until people started responding. Does that make sense? Until, I be, until people started responding, oh, so-and-so, uh, you know, Brian Clark just, just uh, uh, made a comment and, and shared that. And, and that, that encouraged me. And then more people being mentioned. And then I felt, I am speaking to someone. Because I don't like speaking to a camera. So I'll just put it that way. Anyway, so, so there was more engagement when we were there. But I, there's other things. It's not just the scheduled people. Sometimes when we're in a larger group, this becomes a performance. You know, even, even the worship. Uh, one of the reasons I like, I, I just love Eric and, and his leading, it, it doesn't feel like a performance. It feels more like leading. And so that's always been my encouragement with Eric and the way he, he leads us into worship and takes his team through that. Uh, I, I'm not a performer. I screw up all the time. And thank you for your patience with that. I really, I really do uh, appreciate the patience that you have and the questions that I have and, and, and uh, the questions that you have that, that you give to me. Um, I appreciate that so much. But, but we've had other people who've come up. Mark, I remember Mark coming up here the last time you shared uh, uh, something out of Psalms. I'm sorry, I can't remember. That was back in January. But I appreciate that. Eric has that time where he says, hey, is anyone wants to, what a great time that we would love for you to be engaged. And if, if you feel a prompting or, man, something come across your mind, said, you know, I related to that. I, or, or something significant happened in my life I, I need to share with other people. I believe it was God-led. And, and to come up and be able to share, man, that, again, that's hard in front of a lot of people. I understand that. I understand that. But we've had folks who come up and, and do that. Nellie Smith has always told me, Nellie comes up and says, I, I, I want to I preach. <laughs> I, or I have a message. I, th I think she says, I have a message. I want to just tell the congregation. And it's always the same thing. We, just, we need to love one another. And I said, man, Nellie, that is ex that's absolutely right. It's what we need to be doing. She, she did share it with our, our senior luncheon here a while back. She was able to say, you people just, we all need to love one another. And, and so... To be able to share and, and open up. So, so in one way that we do that is that time that Eric encourages, prompts, and even gives just a moment. to. When Eric does that next time, just say, hey, I, I, I want to I say something. I want to share something. Come up here and, and, and uh, share. All right. Now what I'm about to do is this is just an idea. I need to express this correctly because I'm not, I'm not saying, here, well, let's do this. What I'm, I'm going to say is, this is just an idea that came across my mind. And afterwards, you could come up to me and say, Ronnie Roberts, that was the dumbest thing I ever heard come out of the pulpit. And, but, but along with that, you're going to have to tell me why. Okay? I would love for us sometime to take a Sunday morning and, and not be here. Instead, I, I would like to take maybe 20 or 30 different people or households represented. 
20 or 30 or maybe more or maybe less, whatever we need to do, and, and maybe pair up some people and then, then, hey, then have house church on that day. It'll be the day we're going to look like Acts. We're going to put maybe 10 to, 10 to 15, maybe, maybe 20, depending on the size of the house, in each house. Give you an opportunity. I mean, it'd be some setting up, you know, maybe a lesson, whether video or, or prepare each of the hosts to, to give a lesson and give everybody an opportunity to ask and engage in questions, be able to share stories, uh, to do worship, and, and, and then partake in communion together, and that would be our Sunday morning experiment. Again, I'm not saying we're doing that. I'm saying, wouldn't that be great? And you know, on that Sunday, on that particular Sunday, I can guarantee you that a majority of the church would have been engaged in worship. I mean, not just sitting, but a majority of the church would be engaged in worship where, where a thought would be able to be expressed. Or maybe even a testimony that would align with what's being taught. Or, or even in the sense that a smaller group, that if someone in that group is being burdened and, and really heavy, they would ha even have a greater opportunity to, to then just say, please pray for me. I'm, I'm really struggling with this. And maybe that opportunity to be uh, just really open and honest in a smaller group than it is this group, right? Isn't that true? Absolutely true. I think that would be fun. Again, thought, not this is what we're going to do. You, you let me know what you think about that. The great conclusion of that would be more involved in worship. Secondly, everything we do must be with order. Must be with order. I, Paul comes in and, and really reveals that. He's already kind of opened the light on that. And now in the conclusion, reminds us. He says there's a difference between tongues and prophecy. The two giftedness of tongues and prophecy. Tongues, it, it is self-edifying. It, it's not edifying to the church. Prophecy, on the other hand, is something that edifies the church. Tongues is, is, is you know, Un uncoherent, un unheard nonsense that everybody else would be hearing. No one's going to gain from that. But along with that, he says there needs to be order in the church. And he brings it out in, in those two things. He, he talks about tongues, first of all. He says, oh, when, when there's tongues, if anybody speaks, then two, uh, maybe two or the most three should speak one at a time. And then someone must interpret, must interpret. For it to have any value for the church, if tongues were to break out, then, then there has to be someone who is going to say, here's what they're saying to build up the church. So, so as we go through this, need to be clear, we're probably not going to be speaking in tongues anytime soon. Because I haven't had anybody come up and say, I want to speak in tongues. You know, I would say, well, who's your interpreter, right? That kind of thing needs to be going on. I believe this was a real order to this. It was coherent, understandable, speaking in tongues, and then followed by this is what was said. And what was said is something that is going to be encouraging, supporting, comforting. And, and that, that is a lesser gift, Paul says. That's a lesser gift. You want to know the greater gift is prophecy. Prophecy is that declaration of God's word. It is a declaration of his truth, 
before uh, the group. And, and so like in, in verses 29 through 31, he then goes into describing prophecy. Hey, again, if tongues is happening, it's got to be order. It's got to be in line. It's got to be understandable for it to be building of the church. In verse 29, again, the prophets. He said two or three prophets should speak. Uh, you know, two or three guys should speak. 30 minutes each, wouldn't that be great? No, no. Uh, but, but that idea of two or three, you know, it, it really aligns with what Paul said about the body of Christ and, and working together. I, I don't want to miss this. I did, did skip over this, but to, to think and not miss the fact that each one of us is given the Holy Spirit. To be able to identify that each one of us, if we're in Christ, that's the promise of the Scripture. You've been given the Holy Spirit. And to be able to pay attention and to connect it with the Word of God. And then to, to, to connect it with those who are speaking, reading, speaking, and, and applying it. That, that some of you might have that same ability to speak and, and, and bring light to some scriptures. Uh, this has not been an ex- exclusive uh, place up here, this podium, uh, this place to preach. We've opened the door probably more than ever before, having elders preach. Of course, Matthew and Eric preaching, but that, hey, they're part of the paid staff. But our elders preaching, and not only elders, we've brought others in to preach, uh, preach the word. And, and it is a great opportunity. I, I want this to be open. I said, Doug, maybe someday, right? But uh, and, and just to say that there are others who have that ability. It's not just guys who have this diploma on the wall, but someone who is reading, who's been studying, who is taking it in, is gaining understanding, should have that opportunity. And you say, well, what if they go errant? Listen, listen to what it says. Two or three prophets should, and, and, and the others should weigh carefully what is said. Weigh carefully. Hopefully this is what you're doing with me. To be able to weigh carefully what is being said. If anybody speaks anything, it's not just taken as, boy, that's from the Spirit. It has to be weighed according to what the Scriptures say. Are we right? There's a group in, in Acts called the Bereans. The Bereans, when Paul, I mean, come on, when Paul speaks, it's Scripture, right? It said when Paul preached there, when Paul taught there, what the Bereans did is they went to the Bible, which would have been the Old Testament, and they exam- it said that they examined the Scriptures to see if what he said was true. Oh, man, that's what we ought to be doing. We hear a message, we're encouraged by a message, radio or other place or here. It ought to be examined with the scriptures. It is what he said, is that true? It should be done with myself and everyone else. The whole idea behind this is order. You see, as it says, if there is no, uh, excuse me, if one of, the, one of those who are prophesying uh, is, is speaking and someone all of a sudden has a revelation. I could see, I could see this happening in a small church, not a big church, but someone raised their hand and said, man, and so the, the one who was talking could be quiet and, and the one who has a revelation could share. Maybe it's that, again, that light bulb moment when something comes clear for them and they could share uh, what, what they're thinking and, and on how, again, we could see it in a smaller group than a larger group. In verse 32, I think it needs 
a little explanation, but it all comes down to order. Verse 32 says, the, the spirits of the prophets are subject to the control of the prophets. Again, the great importance is the word of God being handled correctly. That's always going to be the bottom line. The spirit of the prophets are, is actually the spirit that works in all of us. The spirit, I mean, there, there needs to be that foundational place of Scripture always in what's being, what's being spoken. So the spirit of the prophets, and, and the key word in here is control, where there is control. Someone not taking, taking full stride and, and running away with, with everybody within the Scriptures. This, this has everything to do with control of the prophets. I, I think we can go back and say, well, what does this do? Well, if someone is speaking in tongues, maybe the Holy Spirit reminds you, hey, do that at home. Do that at home. Or the Holy Spirit might be involved in someone raising their hands uh, and, or might be showing restraint for someone who, who now needs to give way to somebody else to have the opportunity to speak. There's a lot of... A lot of well-informed and gifted people within this congregation who understand the Word of God, who, who, who when we sit down, have opportunity, if they only had opportunity to share thoughts and ideas as we come together. Bottom line is this, is how, how does the Holy Spirit working? We can't come into a, a building and think, well, the Holy Spirit is working on Ronnie, and he, he's working on Eric, and and anyone who steps on, man, there's just this, this barrier that once you cross up on the stage, <gasps> Holy Spirit. <laughs> but everyone in Jesus, everyone in Jesus has the Holy Spirit. And, and it is very much combined with that word of God. Uh, you, you want the Holy Spirit to breathe and to work and to live? Man, pick up what he was very much a part of in writing out, right? The Word of God. And, and, and read it and, and, and memorize it. Uh, study it. If you have questions, pray. Just, God, help me to understand this passage. Ask. Learn simple things like context and, and, and the history of things to come, under, under, uh, to come in that understanding. Uh, it is a pursuit for us. I should say verses 34 and 35, and maybe because I stopped at 33, you thought I was going to skip over it, and I'm very tempted to do that. But for verse 34 says, women should remain silent in the churches. They are not allowed to speak, but must be in submission, as the law says. There, there are so many questions that a person could have in 35 and 36. I'm going to just tell you, and part, partly because I don't want to just escape that and let you go on thinking, but, but there's a lot of problems dealing with this. Some manuscripts will have this after verse 40, and some manuscripts will have it right where it is, right in the midst of this, which in some places just seems like it's out of place. We're, we're going from tongues to prophecy, so women be quiet. It just doesn't make sense in, in some ways, in some ways. I, I do think, plus it doesn't match up with what Paul has said earlier in chapter 11, where it says that women are participating in prayer and prophesying. They're participating in chapter 11, and the only deal there was not to correct, hey, women, you need to be quiet. It didn't say that. It said, women, when you're doing that, just have your heads covered. 
which is kind of is a cultural thing for them. So, so I really have a difficulty with 34 and 35, understanding what Paul, Paul also saying, according to the law, is really out of place in Corinthians. <laughs> it's really out of place. If, if we are to fit, if I were to say anything, it's all connected with this one thought, is that God is a God of peace. Uh, and, and order is what we'll have when we come together as a body. We want order. Why? Because our great purpose is this, is that the, the church is being built up. Built up. And so the thought from some is that what, what Paul is addressing is there were some some ladies, a part of the church, who were interrupting the services or causing some chaotic things within the service. That's, that's the best I could do with it. And, and there, there ought not to be a place where chaos is happening, that, that someone would just take off and go their own direction in the midst of a service or interrupt uh, in, in certain ways within the service. So I just keep that in mind. Uh, that's the only way that really seems to connect within this passage. So the objectives we have is is that more and more of of us ought to be involved as we're growing, as we're maturing, as as we're gaining understanding. Uh, Also, order is important as we come together. And finally, I dealt with this last week, but it's worth bringing up again, especially with the kids here. Worship must build up the church. Worship must build up the church. Let me ask you kids again, kindergarten through fifth grade. Raise your hands if you have an answer to this. What does it mean when I say build up the church? Do you know what it means when I say build up the church? Okay, Micah? Praising God? Okay, okay. Oh, that's a, yeah, yeah, I like that answer. And telling others about Jesus. So, so Micah has got it right away. Building up, and you know this, you know this. Building up the churches and bricks and mortar. It, it's not raising the roof. It's not the physical thing of the building. It is about you and I. It's about these guys. Man, we want to engage them. We want to see them growing up with the understanding of Jesus and that gospel message. Right? We want to understand what that gospel message means. And we want to come into a maturity that's described in Ephesians chapter 4. A maturity where we're not tossed about by just the winds of any kind of teaching that comes along. But one that is deeply established upon the word and within the spirit that he's given to us. Isn't that right? Isn't that right? It is about the body coming into maturity. And then it is about spreading that word outside. That, because I believe... The more, the more maturity that's strengthened here, the encouragement. Matter of fact, what we said about prophecy, what does it do? It encourages, it strengthens, it comforts. Encourages, strengthens, and comforts. When that is happening, then, then we go outside of this building. We're ready to, to, to even more so, upon that foundation of what that gospel is from his word, able to share it with our neighbors, with the people we work with. And, and, and the people that uh, we go to school with, people we meet every day. Because that's our great opportunity. That's our great calling uh, from God is to win those who are lost. Paul concludes in this way. 
And I know, hopefully no one's frustrated. Man, you didn't get into a lot of details of what it means about healing. I think we're involved in that, as I think we should. If someone has a need when it comes to healing, what do we do? Man, we're going to pray for you. Man, we're going to pray for you because we know the great healer. <laughs> we, we know who heals, and we're very much involved in praying for those things. Prophecy is that greatest gift. It's where we learn his word and able to speak it and help others understand. Understand even their sinfulness to where they could come to repentance. Let's pray. Father in heaven, we praise you. We thank you for your word. We thank you for the simplicity of it. That, that Lord, uh, there, there's so many things that, that, Lord, even our own personal desires, we want to run and check these things out. And it, it just seems like the Corinthians are like that when it comes to tongues. Father, we don't want to be afraid of, of your giftedness. We don't want to be afraid of your spirit working amongst us. We might not understand it. We might not have full comprehension of, of what he's doing and working. But, Lord, we pray that as we uh, come together, as we look to encourage each other, as, as we're prompted to, to, to say something that's comforting or strengthening to someone, that, Lord, we just look to your leading. We could pray that, Lord, but to be active in it, we pray, Lord, engage us. Engage us in that. God, you're good to us, and we praise you for this day. It's in Jesus' name. Amen.